You're listening to a podcast from Burley Heads Church of Christ, from Burley Heads on the Gold Coast. Week we were, we're doing a little series at the moment and we're looking at prayer. And two weeks ago, Kirsten shared with us about prayer and last week we did part two and today we're moving on to part three. And so to, to help us, for those who weren't here, I want just to go back and, and to look at the definition of prayer. Prayer is the, is the lifeline between us and God. It's a vital lifeline. If it is, is smothered or, or cut off, then it's going to affect us. And I, I love this definition. Prayer is communication with God, believing and receiving what he has already given to us in Jesus. Would you just to think about that? It's believing and receiving what God has already given to us in Jesus. And that belief is, a, is an action word. It, it means putting it into action and doing it and doing it and doing it. You know, we can have belief and yet do nothing about it. The Bible says that Satan believes in God and the demons do and they tremble. But they do nothing about it. We know about God and we, uh, we, we know what he's done and as, as we receive what he's done, then God can do what he wants to do through prayer. So I just want to do a real quick revision on what we looked at last week. The reasons for prayer not being answered in James chapter 4, we're told, one, because we don't ask and secondly, because we don't ask in the right way, not having the right motives. And I remember as a teenager, and I shared with you last week, uh, the year when my mother died, I was down south and I uh, was angry at the world, was angry at, at God, and, and mum taught me to always pray every night. And I can honestly say I prayed every single night. But my prayer was not in the right motives. I would be praying for revenge, I would be praying for this and praying for that, and obviously God couldn't hear that. Uh, he heard it, but he couldn't answer it because I was asking in the wrong way. And then we looked at how does prayer work? How do we bring results? And first of all, we looked at being based on God's word. And we looked at John. Uh, and then we looked at 1 John. I'd like, you, I'd like you to turn to 1 John chapter 5. These are, are beautiful words. 1 John chapter 5, looking at verses 14 and 15. And John says this, And this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have desired of him. Isn't that incredible verses? We have the confidence. No doubts whatsoever. We have the confidence that God hears us and he answers us. That's what prayer is all about. Believing and receiving. But we've got to apply faith. And faith is a, an interesting word. We exercise faith all the time. I used a couple of illustrations last week, but a very simple illustration. I guarantee when you go home and you want to turn the lights on, that you don't go up to the switch and you put your hand there and say, gee, I really hope this is going to work. If the power is on in the community, and it's on in your house, you can turn it on and you have no doubts whatsoever. That's what faith is. 
knowing and believing. And so we put that into operation. So we confess and we believe that we have it. Now, let's move on to part three. One of the things that the enemy wants to do when we pray is to bring doubt into our minds or fear. He uses it all the time. He used it back in the garden of Adam and Eve. You know, God came to Adam and Eve and said, here's the garden, I want you to go and enjoy it, but there's one thing you can't do, and that's the tree in the middle of the garden, I don't want you to touch that fruit. Because the day you touch it, you will die. We don't know what fruit it was. I often say it's, if it was an apple tree, it would not tempt me. If it was a bow and mango, then that's different. That would be a great temptation. If you don't like mango, there would be no temptation whatsoever. But whatever it was, it was in the middle of the garden, and the enemy came and said to Eve, Did God really say that? And immediately doubt came into her mind. And she allowed that doubt to, to continue to be there, and she looked and she desired, and she took it. And that trick that Satan used way back there at the beginning, he still uses today. And the reason he uses it today is because it works. True? How often have you prayed for something and you haven't seen the results and the, and the thought comes, well, maybe God didn't, he's not going to answer that. Maybe God didn't hear that. Or you put another thought in your mind, who do you think you are asking God for anything? Wow. And the other thing he likes to do is to come into your mind. Would you turn with me to 2 Corinthians? I really encourage you to, to learn this verse. It's, it's two verses, actually. 2 Corinthians, chapter 10. And we're looking at verses 4 and 5. Let me read it to you, then I'll come to speak to it. Paul talking to the Corinthian church. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of the strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God, and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Ever had a bad day and you get into bed and you're trying to sleep and suddenly your mind starts going crazy? Or you wake up in the middle of the night and your mind begins to go crazy? Isn't it interesting, the things you see or imagine in the darkness? You wake up and you hear a sound. And in your mind, suddenly there's an intruder in the house and your mind starts going crazy. Or you see the curtain moving. What, what, what's doing that? I heard of a guy who saw the curtain moving and he thought someone was there and kept praying against it. And when he woke up in the morning, he lost a lot of sleep. It was the air conditioning just blowing the curtain. <laughs> Our mind goes crazy. But we've got a weapon. And it's these verses. Let me read it again, especially verse, 10, uh, verse 5. 
casting down imaginations and every high thing that exhorts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. When you're, next time you're laying there and you can't get to sleep and your mind's going crazy, this is the simple prayer you need to pray. Jesus, I bring these thoughts into captivity right now and I give them to you. Holy Spirit, come and bring me peace. Boom. It works. I've prayed that prayer, not able to sleep, and next thing I know, the alarm's going off. It just goes straight off. Amazing. That's our weapon. And we can use it. It's ours. That's prayer. Communicating with God, believing, and then receiving what God has given to us. But let's move on. In Proverbs, Kirsten read that for us. Let me just read that again in Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 4. The author is he's talking as if he's talking to his son. And it's beautiful because we can apply it to our own lives. Proverbs chapter 4, verses 20 and 21 and 22. My son, attend to my words, incline your, inf- your ear unto my sayings, Let them not depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart, for they are life unto those that find them and health to all their flesh. In other words, what he's saying is, you know the word, now take it on board, receive it and believe it and keep it there. Jesus said, you can ask anything in my name, believing and you shall receive. That's his word. So we take that and we hold on to it and we believe it. That's what prayer is, communicating with God, believing and receiving what he's given to us. But I want us to move on to the next one. We have weapons to succeed. Now this, we've got four weapons that we're going to just dwell on now for the next few minutes. Four weapons that are ours that have victory in prayer and in our Christian life. Remember, prayer is the life link. Prayer is believing and receiving what God has done for us in Jesus. So the first one, it's the name of Jesus. Wow. Would you turn with me to Matthew? If you're not taking down notes, the service is being recorded, and you can go to the sound desk later and ask for a copy. Matthew, chapter 28 and verse 18. These are the words of Jesus straight after his resurrection when he comes to his disciples. And Jesus came and spoke unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and on earth. Notice Jesus doesn't say, Well, you're going to have a, a, a little bit of power. I've got just that little bit of power. You know, Satan's pretty big there, and, and I've got a little bit of power here. No, he says, All power. All means everything. No exception. All power has been given unto me and then Jesus gave it to his disciples and he gives it to us when his Holy Spirit comes to live within us. That's pretty exciting, isn't it? Well, that didn't go over very well. That's pretty exciting, isn't it? You have the power and I have the power of Jesus. Jesus said to his disciples, he said, you know, you'll be able to do greater things than what I can when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. 
You know, I had a very interesting situation a number of years ago. I was over at Paradise Point, and uh, the local school was just around the corner from the, from the church. And the deputy principal was a Christian guy. His name was Glenn. And uh, Education Week came up for, for the schools. And uh, he said, can we come down to the church and, and have a service for the younger, younger primary kids and then the older primary kids so we have two sessions? I said, great. So we lined it all up, came in the morning for them to come down, and it was pouring. Rain was just saturated coming down. And Glenn gets on the phone, he says, Neil, we've got to cancel. I said, why? He says, rainy. I said, so? He said, we can't afford any buses. I said, well, walk them down. It's just around the corner. He said, it's raining. And Glenn's a Christian guy. And I said, Glenn, will you agree with me in prayer? And we'll ask God to stop the rain. He said, do you think it was going to work? I said, come on. <laughs> So we prayed. We agreed together. Came around quarter to nine when the kids were supposed to come. The sky opened up. The sun came out. They walked down to the church. As soon as they got into the church, in came the clouds and started pouring again. He said, Neil, you got us here. What's going to happen now? I said, come on, Glenn, we prayed for it. It's going to work. And sure enough, at the end, it fined up. They all went back, the second group came down, pray, rain again, and at the end of that, it fined up and they went back to school. Prayer, it works, if you believe and receive. You see, we could have believed that it's going to work, it's going to work and do nothing about it, but we put that prayer and belief into action, and it worked. The power of Jesus. Another beautiful verse. If you turn with me over to the book of Philippians, Philippians chapter 2. And the exciting thing about all of this is it's all ours. Philippians 2, chapter, 10, uh, chapter 2 and verses 10 and 11. Paul writing to the church at Philippi. That the name of Jesus, at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow of things in heaven, of things in earth, and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That's who we pray in his name. He's got all power and one day every knee's going to bow and every tongue's going to confess that Jesus is Lord. And we come in his name and nothing, nothing can stop that prayer. If you believe and you receive. Can you imagine if we really went out and, and we put all that into action, what could happen? But how often do we let doubt come in? Unbelief. Or saying, oh, I don't really know if this is going to work. Yes, it will. Because the Bible says that it will. So in the name of Jesus, the second thing is the word of God. I've got Hebrews up there. I'll come to that. But I'd like you, first of all, to go to Second Timothy. Go to 2 Timothy, and we're looking at chapter 3. And we're looking at verse 16 of chapter 3 of 2 Timothy. 
There's that word again, all. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. The Bible is being inspired by the Holy Spirit. This does not contain the Word of God. It is the Word of God. There's a big difference. It doesn't contain the Word of God. It is the Word of God. And it's an instrument that we can use in our prayer time. Again, believing and receiving. As we take that upon us, then God can do incredible and mighty things. But let's go to the other passage up there in Hebrews chapter 4. In Hebrews chapter 4, we're given some more information about the Bible. Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12. For the word of God, or the scriptures, is quick and powerful sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even the dividing asunder of the soul and spirit and of the joints and the marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. The Romans invented the two-edged sword. Two-edged sword means there's two blades on the sword. Before that time, you had to use the sword and you cut that way and you turn around and cut the other way. A two-edged sword, you just go boom, 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 boom. It works both ways. And here the author says, the Bible is sharper than any two-edged sword. It's all ours. All this in here is ours. If we believe and if we receive. It's our manual. It guides us, it leads us. But for us to use this, we need to spend time in it. If you had a two-edged sword, you'd need to be taught how to use it. I mean, you could do a lot of damage if you didn't know how to, how to operate it. And so here's the word, and it's there for us to learn and to grow by. I heard the story told of a, a minister who didn't doubt, who doubted the word of God and periodically would say to his congregation, well, you know, you don't really believe this. And there was a woman in the church who went home and every time he said that, she'd tear a page out. Well, if you don't need it, why would it tear it out? And, and one day she took really sick and the minister came around and said, well, is your Bible there? So she handed over the Bible and all these pages were missing. He said, what's happened to your Bible? She said, well, every time you said not to believe in it, I tore it out. That makes it to no effect, doesn't it? This is either what it is or we might as well scrap it and throw it away. But the word of God is God's manual to you and I for us to be able to operate and to pray effectively to God. So we've got the name of Jesus, we've got the word of God, and the next one is the Holy Spirit. We've got John 14 up there which tells us that Jesus promised the Holy Spirit that he's going to come 
and would bring back to their memory all the things that he'd taught them. Now that's really important. You know, if you're, you're counseling somebody, you're praying about something, and you, what's that I've got to pray for? And the Holy Spirit will bring it back to your memory and tell you and show you. But I want to read another verse which is found in Romans chapter 8 and verse 11. And Paul talking this time to the Roman church. He says, but if the Spirit, this is the Holy Spirit, if the Spirit of him that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies that by his Spirit that dwelleth in you. The Spirit of God that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. That's power. Jesus said, all power has been given unto me. The Bible is, the, is sharper than any, any two-edged sword, and now we've got the Holy Spirit who's powerful, and he's living within you and me. And he wants to, to be released to us as we go out there into the community. And it all happens by prayer. What's prayer? Believing and receiving. You see, we've got to get it from here to here. And sometimes there's a big, big distance. It's not really, but it takes so long to try and get through. This is available to everybody. God is not a respecter of persons. It's all for us. And Hebrews tells us that we can come boldly into the presence of God all because of what Jesus has done for us. Now it's all ours. So we come in the name of Jesus. We come by reading the word and believing it. We come now through the power of the Holy Spirit. But if that's not enough, it's something else as well. In Ephesians chapter 6. A number of years ago I did a series on the armour of God in Ephesians chapter 6 and verses 10 through to 18. And uh, we'll be doing that probably again next month, looking at that particular passage. So I don't want to dwell too much on it today. That's just to, just to mention the fact that we have this protection against the enemy. The enemy doesn't like you. All right? In fact, he hates you and he's hating every single word that I'm saying to you today because he knows it's the truth and he knows the truth will set you free and he knows that you can be empowered and you can go forward and you can be on fire for Jesus by activating that prayer, by lighting that fuse and allowing the Spirit of God to move within us. But Paul said to the church at Ephesus, he said, listen, and he's in prison and he, and he sees the Roman soldier and his armour that he's got on. And so he begins to apply that to the Christian life. He talks about the belt of truth, he talks about the breastplate and so on and so forth. I won't steal the thunder that's going to happen when we come to go through the series. But there's one part of the body that's not protected. And it's the back. All the front's protected, but not the back. Two reasons. One, the Roman soldier used to fight back to back. So he didn't have to worry about his back. The other guy was looking after that. But secondly, we don't run from the battle. Because we run, we're sitting targets. And the enemy can shoot us down.
And in Ephesians it says, stand. Stand firmly, putting on the armour of God, going into battle. I want you to go home and read that through. It's, it's an incredible passage. And again, it's, it's the weapons that we have to succeed. So we've got the name of Jesus, we've got the word of God, we've got the Holy Spirit, and we've got the armour of God. There's nothing holding us back, eh? Except putting that belief into action and doing it. But to finish off, I just want to use this last passage. This is a passage that Kirsten read to us. Let's go back to James. James chapter 1. I'm reading 5 to 8. James says this, If any man lack wisdom... Let him ask of God who gives to him all men liberally and a bread of not, and it shall be given him. All right, that's prayer, prayer in action. And every time the Bible says but, it's good to see what follows. But let him ask in faith nothing wavering. For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea driven by the wind and tossed. Let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord, for a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. That means if you're going to come and you're not going to believe, nothing's going to happen. I think James just sums it up so beautifully. If you want anything, come and ask and believe. But don't let doubt come in and don't waver in that and thinking, oh, gee, I don't know if this is going to work or whatever. Because he uses the illustration just like a wave just being tossed to and fro by the wind. So we've got to come believing and receiving. Prayer is communication with God, a two-way street. God talking to us and us talking to God. And we believe and we receive what he's given to us. Based on what he has said in his word, based on the fact that we can come in the name of Jesus, we can believe the Bible, we can know that the Holy Spirit is there enabling us and helping us to be what, we, what he wants us to be and we've got the arm of God to put on. It's all ours. So the question is, what's your prayer life like? Mm. Go quiet on that one, don't we? Do we really believe when we come to God that he's going to hear our prayers? Or do we let the enemy put doubts in our minds? Doubts like, you know, will God really hear my prayer? Yes, he will. Does he really love me? Yes, he does. Read the word. It's all there. It's ours for the asking. In a moment, we're going to conclude the service and we're going to sing a, a grand old song. It's what a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to bring everything to God in prayer. We're not going to sing it to the old tune. We're going to sing it to the carnival is over, uh, which is, just makes it a little bit different. But as we sing that, that song this morning, I'm going to give you the opportunity and the elders will come forward and Steve will come forward if you'd like prayer to, to activate your prayer life, 
maybe it's got a little bit dull and not really working well and the Holy Spirit's challenged you over these few weeks of talking about prayer. This morning we can pray with you and for you to, to light that fire and, and, and activate it so that your prayer can become burning for him, on fire for him. Because that's what he wants to do. And all you have to do is when, when we start to sing, just come on down, stand down here. As I said, the elders will come and we'll pray with you and for you. Why come forward? For it makes your faith stronger. That you're saying, and you don't have to worry about anybody else because the Lord's dealing with them. All right? You don't have to worry about anybody else. But it says to you, Lord, I'm going to make this stand and I'm going to make it public that I want to do something about my prayer life. Or maybe this morning there's sickness or something that you want prayer for. Then we're going to encourage you to come on down. We've got oil up here that we can anoint you with and we can pray this morning for you. For that opportunity is yours. And I believe there's many of us that we need to, to just get the fire going again. You know, we can get down into the doldrums, can't we? We can get really lax in our prayer, but we can activate it today through the power of the Holy Spirit. But you've got to believe that, and you've got to be willing to do that. Let's come before him in prayer. Father, we thank you for this avenue of prayer. We thank you that it's the, that lifeline that we can come and we can enter into your presence and you, you hear us and you answer us and you delight to do it. You've told us, Father, in the scriptures that we can come boldly into your presence. We don't have to be fearful and we don't have to cringe away, but, Father, we can come boldly because we are your children and we thank you for that. And this morning you know our hearts. You know what our prayer life is like. And Father, we ask that you would challenge us afresh this morning. That you would give us a, a, a new bolt from yourself, Lord, and light us up that we might be all that you want us to be. And we can go forth and, and pray far more effectively, knowing and believing and knowing and believing and knowing and believing that you are there to answer us. Lord, that as John tells us, we can have the confidence that you hear us and you answer us. So challenge, afresh, challenge us afresh now, we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand as we sing. Stand as we sing. Stand as we sing.